welcome to the Naval Air Podcast. My name is Mike, and I'm your host. And we are fortunate to have our friend Josh with us for another go-around, give us an update on what's going on with him as he makes his way through the Student Naval Aviator Student Naval Aviator Pipeline. Now, when we last talked to Josh, he had just selected, but we didn't quite tell you what that was. So, Josh, why don't you tell him what you're going to be spending your time doing for good old Uncle Sugar. Well, I uh, selected helicopters and got to move back to sunny Florida here uh, up at Whiting Field in Milton and uh, got to learn how to hover. And to hover is divine, is it not? It is. It's uh, definitely uh, an interesting experience, especially never having even been in a helicopter before the Navy. And? Uh, it's it's difficult <laughs> at first. Okay. It's very difficult. Bit of a challenge. Now, uh, the aircraft you're training in are 57s, TH-57s, Jet Rangers. That's correct. Um, from what I remember... The pilots I flew with said that they were actually fairly easy aircraft to fly. No? Uh, well, um, having recently flown in some fleet aircraft with the fleet flying that we had, I can tell you that's probably just the opposite. The fleet aircraft are a lot easier to fly. Okay. But then <laughs> and it's good that your training is harder, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and it just has to do with the fact that uh, the training aircraft um, – at least the, the Bravo version, which you first start on, doesn't have what's called AFCS or Automated Flight Control System, so it's not stabilized whatsoever. So you're hand-flying it, whereas most fleet aircraft have AFCS. Power, a power steering, essentially. Essentially, yes. Okay. Um, good old hydraulics. Um, okay, well, why don't you uh, give us a rundown of... You selected and you got shipped to Whiting Field... Um, that was back at the beginning of October, right? When did we talk last? No, we talked in August. Uh, it was September. Yeah, I mean, I basically moved out here in uh, June, and then I took a month of leave, came back, had about another month and a half until I classed up. I started in September. Okay. And uh, I've been on the flight schedule ever since, but not, not flying too often. Weather again? Uh, weather and, and some just interesting random scenarios that uh, cause us to cancel a couple times as well, but mostly weather. Okay. So why don't you give us a rundown of the first series of, of flights that uh, they used to introduce you to your, your new community? Uh, well, after uh, a couple weeks of ground school, you know, aerodynamics, systems, the basic stuff, you, you go into CPTs again, which is just going through checklists to make sure that you're prepared once you get in the helicopter. Uh, and then the helicopter, we had, uh, it's very much like the T-34 in primary. You, you get in and basically you're, you're just learning how to fly the aircraft. I mean, the instructor's there basically to uh, keep you from killing yourself or him, uh, but it's mostly just, you know, get on the controls and figure it out. So the first four flights consist of just going to uh, one of the outlying fields here and uh, just learning how to hover. So you'll pick uh, an area within what they call the low work area, which is where people go to do the hover stuff. And you'll fly around a box and just try and do these different box patterns to learn how to control the aircraft and make sure you can put it where you want it sort of thing. Okay. Okay. So how long did that take for you to 
I would say grasp, <laughs> not master. I won't say master, but say grasp. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you what, on, on FAM 1, the, the first flight, it, you you think that you'll never learn how to hover. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just unbelievable. He, he says, you know, your controls and, oh, my God, you feel like you're going to die. And uh, <laughs> so, cause uh, it, it, it's amazing, though. I mean, probably by FAM 3 or 4 uh, is when I sort of was pretty much able to put it where I want it. Not completely stable, but I could fly the aircraft and not crash. So, Okay. And this is all hover and ground effect, right? Five, six feet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once you're flying in the air, I mean, with forward airspeed, it flies very similar to an aircraft. Slightly different, but it's it's pretty stable. It's just it's all the lower stuff that, you know, hovering that really takes a while to grasp. Okay. Now, um, I have to kind of forgive me, but I have to, I have to kind of equate it to my experience because uh, my time in, in rotary wing aircraft are old H1s, H2s, uh, and H1s when they first started, you know, you throttle, you had to roll. You, right. You had to, right. Right. You know, nowadays, throttle is handled for for us automatically, as you increase yep. collective, and, you know, increases the appropriate amount of, of throttle to make your the rotor spin properly. But I've seen these guys trying to, you know, you got to pull pull pitch and rotate the throttle at the right speed. Oh, and don't forget to step on some pedals so we don't spin around in a circle. Yep. And and watching these guys, I'm, you know, I'm right there with you. I wonder how they can ever get it down. So that's just uh, it's it, it's funny. I mean, at first they'll they'll give you one of the controls, and slowly they'll pass you the second and third. So they'll probably give you like the cyclic first, and just see if you can, you know, keep yourself centered over a spot on the ground. And then once you kind of get that pretty stable, they'll give you the collective, and you'll start bouncing up and down. And then once you stabilize there, he'll he'll give you the pedals, and then it all goes to hell after that. But <laughs> Yeah. Now, I, after a while, you start to get it. So you know, you talk about the fleet aircraft having, you know, flight control systems that help you. Like in H two, if you took your feet off the pedals, the the flight control stuff would, you know, power steering. Like how I explain it to lay people is that that kept your nose straight for you. So if you didn't yep. have to do any turns. Took your feet off the pedals. The the aircraft will keep its own nose straight. No matter what you do with the other two, it'll keep the nose straight for you. So. That's, it's that's definitely nice that they do it. Um, they do it old school first. Yeah, they, they want you to be able to drive stick before they give you an automatic. <laughs> well, you know, that's because uh, well, some fleet aircraft are flyable without their flight control systems, right? If the oh yeah, I got to fly on. the uh, I got to fly the Frog, the CH forty six, and that just has two main rotors. It has no tail rotor, so yeah. you you barely touch the pedals at all. Okay, but if if the flight controls go out, or the hydraulic system goes out, that that aircraft is still flyable. You're used to yes. You're using your own muscle power to move these controls and in turn move the the whirling components. I know from anecdotal evidence that other fleet aircraft, if the hydraulic power goes out, that aircraft is no longer flyable. Is that that's is this true or no? Right. Fleet aircraft usually have uh, at least, you know, two hydraulic systems. So there's always going to be a backup for hydraulics because for fleet aircraft, they're so huge that if you lose hydraulics, you're screwed. (laughs) But we we in the 57, we actually practice boost off approaches all the time in the contact phase. Okay, so how many how many students fly together? Just one student, one uh, instructor or they gas up and you go and you take turns with a boatload of guys? No, it, typically what happens is uh, you get assigned a, a fam partner, so that's going to be your your 
dedicated partner for the first 10 flights until you solo. Uh, and you don't necessarily fly together. Um, for example, me and my partner, we've been using uh, a, a very close outline field. So what'll happen is I'll go out and fly and then we'll come back and he'll swap out with me with the rotor still turning okay. and they'll go out and fly. But if, if uh, the instructor decides to use one of the farther outlying fields for whatever reason, then uh, you'll, you two will go together and one will just sit in the back seat. You'll fly out to wherever you're going, he'll get out and just sit in the crew change there and then they'll fly around, stop, swap, fly around and then he'll get back in, you'll fly home okay. together. But uh, for us now, we fly alone with the instructor. Okay, so no one in the back to giggle at your mistakes. Right. <laughs> But yeah, we're actually not allowed to do auto rotations or emergencies or anything with anybody in the back. So you have to do the training part of the mission alone. Okay, and you, so you just you just said you're expected to solo after ten flights. Yes. And that's approximately how many hours? Uh, it's it's uh, about one one point five or so, I think, and then it jumps up to two. So I would say somewhere less than twenty hours, fifteen okay. twenty hours. And then is, is once you solo in the rotary wing, advanced training, is it uh, the same as a primary where when you're flying along, the, the instructor's flying along with you in a different aircraft, or is it always, are they always there since it's... Well, no, in, in primary, uh, you, I mean, you would actually fly alone, solo, and you'd go by yourself and nobody's following you. It's just, hey, you know, you brief with... Uh, the duty officer who's on duty and just say, hey, don't kill yourself and off you go. In advanced helos, uh, you actually go, typically, if you have a partner, you go with your fan partner and he acts as your co-pilot. Gotcha. So you, you fly together and you just go off by yourself. Uh, you go to an outline field, you bounce around a little bit, and then when you want to swap out, you'll tell you know another instructor who's flying in the pattern there, hey, we're looking for a swap. You'll land, he'll land, he'll come out, and he'll hop in the seat while you guys swap out. And then you'll bounce around and then fly back home. Okay. So, all right. So the first, you said four flights, we're learning how to hover. Then what comes? Pretty much, yes. What comes after that? Uh, After that, then they start introducing uh, emergencies and they start expecting you to sort of take the lead in terms of them, you know, not holding your hand through the flight. They want you to, you know, tell them what to do. So they want you to know all the course rules. They want you to be able to say, hey, sir, you know, can you switch up the radios to this and basically act as the helicopter aircraft commander? And he's your co-pilot and you need to tell him what you need him to do sort of thing. So they want you to start taking control of the flight and then they'll start, you know, doing all sorts of simulated emergencies. So engine failures at altitude, they'll make you do auto rotations, boost off approaches, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, And then after, after solo... Then what's your uh, course of instruction? What's the syllabus to make you do at that point? More uh, after more you solo, you more. you go into some more uh, contact type uh, stuff, but stuff that you haven't done before. So you'll do like steep approaches and that sort of stuff. Then you'll go into tactics, uh, which is like confined area landings, um, and you'll do some stuff with uh, some air crew. So you get a, you know some petty officers in the back, and they'll do like external load operations and that kind of thing. It's only three flights. Uh, and then after that, you'll transition to the Charlie model and do a couple of contact flights in the Charlie model, which is used for instruments and basically the rest of advanced. All right. So you fly with, you fly with air crew. It's interesting. So the training squadrons have 
enlisted air crew just uh, for crew coordination kind of flights? Yeah, I mean, they actually serve a purpose in the squadron as well. Like they're, you know, usually like the command, you know, fitness leader and they'll do the PRTs and they'll take care take care of admin type stuff. And uh, and we have a senior chief who does a lot of admin type stuff, too. But they're they're there also to fly with us. Interesting. I don't remember that gig being available back in my day. <laughs> it's probably a pretty sweet gig for uh, somebody who has kids or something and wants a stable life. Yeah, no kidding. That's obviously a short rotation, so... Uh, yeah. So what do you think? All right. So so you've done you've done some of this stuff. You've done the com- the steep approach, no hover landings, the confined right. business. You've done all that. Right. So that's, that's- uh, no, I'm I'm actually uh, on uh, the contact uh, forty two oh two tomorrow. So I'm still on the basic contact phase before solo. Okay. Oh, so you're almost there then. When are you going to solo? I'm almost there. Yeah, I got two more flights and then check right. All right, so no flying on Tuesday, right? Everyone's off that day. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. T- to me. That's when. Um, that's when you know. I don't want to sound too whimsical, I guess, but that's where joy of helicopter flying came as doing those things that only helicopters can do. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. starting off the hover, okay, fine, but when you're doing. You know, the auto rotations, some people didn't like them. I thought they were fun. Uh, slinging loads. Um, now, in the you know, flying in the Army, I got to do more of the fun stuff. Nap the earth flat. I don't know what they call it nowadays. Um, the confined approaches. Uh, no hover landings. Steep. Uh, uh, pinnac- pinnacles. Pinnac- what they call those? Peaks? Pinnacles? Something yeah. where you're just dropping, you know, putting one, one skin on a mountaintop, and you're still kind of flying <laughs> there, and... So that's that's to me that was the that was the exciting stuff. Boring holes right. in the sky. Uh, manning a radar was not never uh, that stuff got kind of dull. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know we, helicopters we get to do stuff that just the other you know you know fixed wing community just doesn't get to do. I mean we we do auto rotations all the way to sliding on the deck, and you know in a jet or a fixed wing multi engine they they do engine outs and they just you know simulate and they got to recover by a couple hundred feet. I mean we take it all the way down. That's new. Uh, in the in the H two rag, the the pullout altitude was like 120 feet. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know what they do in the rag or anything like that, but uh, in flight school, we I mean you take it all the way down, you're sliding on the grass. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's fun. Army did it that way too. In H ones, you know, we're skids. And yeah. My first my first check flight where we're doing auto rotations. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there. Pilots are doing their thing. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I'm in Navy mode, right? And I was always briefed with the, at what altitude you pull back the stick, at what altitude you lift, pull the collect, pull full collective, and at what altitude you expect to pull out and go around. Right. <laughs> right. And um, so I'm listening, and they're doing their thing, and it was all over, and we're breaking up, and I had to stop. Uh, you know, what would you say the pull-out altitude was? <laughs> And they look at me like I had two heads, you know. What are you talking about? We ran them to the ground, baby. I'm like, oh, all right, great. And so uh, those those first few were very. I was paying attention, you know. Usually I just kind of enjoy the ride, but it's like, I remember the instructor saying, "Okay, you're pulling back, you're pulling back, it's like ease in the throttle. You can feel a little burble and hit the ground, you know. Great, right? <laughs> and then you look back and we're, you know, because it was night times so for showering sparks. It's just so yeah. 
All right, so you promised that you'd have some uh, fun stories this time around. Uh, well, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you a good story about. Uh, well, some of my cancellations have been pretty funny stories, but uh, first off, the first flight, Fam One. Um, <laughs> I'm flying along, and uh, I, I had a relatively decent flight. We get back, and and I, I meet up with my partner. Uh, later that day and he gets back and he, he calls me we, we had arranged that we were going to study that night and I get a call from him like pretty late and I was like oh what's going on with that you know I, I was expecting a call you know a couple hours ago well it turns out that on his first flight he actually had a tail strike <laughs> so what, what had happened was he was uh, hovering around the box and uh, just he got too low to the ground too much aft cyclic and you know the little metal bar that's in the back there to protect the tail rotor just uh-huh. hit, the, hit the ground so they had to shut down per the SOP and call maintenance, and it, it, it wasn't a big deal. It just turned out to be a little chip paint. But uh, it's just funny that on, on his first flight, he got a tail strike. Did it scare him? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was freaked out because, you know, in, in the brief, we'd actually talked about mass bumping, uh, which, you know, occurs when the, the rotor head uh, is actually underslung and it, and it moves around. It, it flaps. Um, and the static stop, if, if, you, if it flaps too much, can actually contact the mass, which is what connects the rotors to the helicopter. So Correct. if you get mass bumping, it basically means the mass is about to separate and you're going to die. <laughs> so he heard this bump and he thought it was mass bumping. So he's freaking out. And then the instructor took controls and landed it. And you know, they, they talked about what happened. And, but at first he thought he got mass bumping. So he was freaking out. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, now quick tangent is is your is your fam partner is he in the kind of the same category as you young single or uh, I'm, well there? you have to understand i'm i'm fairly young for a uh, navy pilot i understand i mean most the average age is like what 25 and i'm i'm 22 now so i'm pretty much the youngest one here uh he's he's probably in that same range like 25 26 he's uh actually a jg uh, who went to uh, NPS after he graduated from the academy? So he's already got his master's degree and he's married. So okay, well, okay, you know, for some people out there, twenty-five is still young. Okay, so, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I, I guess the better question would be: Is he a family man? Because you, you know, there's there's well, there are two kinds, right? There's those who are married, and those who aren't, and the, those who are yeah. married have the have the extra layer of, I don't want to say stress, but burden of making it through. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, okay, it's, I don't know, some girls can handle the separation, some girls can't. So a guy, he's doing his work all day, which is learning, learning something fairly complex, and to come home and, you know, wifey poo can be so stressed out about being alone all day, it's not good for... Oh yeah, the pilot and or the student pilot. So, well, his wife works, so luckily she's got something to do, and she's not just bored all day, which I know a lot of wives find a a lot of trouble finding a job, especially moving around to these small towns. Yeah, Milton ain't ain't the teeny metropolis that some folks might think. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> With a college degree, you're pretty much overqualified for anything outside the Navy base. That's too bad. That's too bad. Um. So have you set your sights on? Okay, so you had the the fleet fly in. You want to want to give the rundown of what that is? I mean, tell tell the tell us what sure. what the purpose of that is and 
Which one? Uh, well, uh, between uh, you know the Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, there's there's so many different communities within each of the services that basically the fleet uh, you know organizes through the the Navy Helicopter Association. They organize this fly-in where each of the communities will fly out a bird or a couple birds and just sort of advertise for their communities to maybe give us some insight into what we want to select when we get to the end of the program. So you got, uh, you know, everything from Hueys and Cobras to the Frog to uh, the 60s, the brand new 60s. We actually had the newest uh, 60 in the entire Navy came out to us just off the off the line. Uh, it was the brand new Romeo model. Okay. The, the modular strike version, right? Yep. Okay. It's basically uh, taking over uh, HSL is now transitioning to uh, HSM, and that's the Romeo is HSM. Okay. Did you fly any of the, so, the, the cargo type Sierras or H models? I actually did not. I, I pretty much decided to fly something that I would never get a chance to fly again, so I, I didn't fly any <laughs> Navy aircraft. <laughs> okay. I, I flew. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I actually flew the uh, the 46. I flew the Frog, and then I flew the uh, HH-65 Dolphin. Oh, Coast Guard bird. Okay. Yep. All right. So now the so. The, the CH-46 is not going to be around much longer. Nope. So it's transitioning to the uh, the Osprey. All right. Now here's another tangent. If I were 20 years younger, I'd go back in just to crew of the Osprey. Really? Oh, that 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 aircraft just does it for me for some reason. It can hover like, you know, like God's chosen method of flight, and then, <laughs> and then go like nobody's business. Oh yeah, it's it's fast. You know, and it just, I don't know, it's a sweet looking machine as far as I'm concerned. Well, two of my classmates are actually Osprey guys. So they you select that out of primary. Because they're Marine Corps, right? Then they're then they're already Marines. Right, okay. right. But that, you actually select Osprey out of primary, so they already know where they're going. That's awesome. I'd, seriously, I'd do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's a lot of school, though. I mean, they go through basically the entire multi-engine syllabus, and then they come and they do sort of an abridged helicopter syllabus. Learn how to hover, huh? Yep. But they're they're they. I mean, if they're replacing the forty-six, they need then they're really helicopter tactic, tactics, tactical. Anyway, they use they use the. I'm assuming they're using the CH forty-six tactics of. Of troop deployment, uh, moving around, except they just get there faster. No, I, I have no idea, but that that would make sense to yeah. me. That's nothing wrong with supposing, I guess. All right, so you flew the, <laughs> so you threw the, you flew the dolphin through the frog. What else? Nothing else. You didn't get any. No, I, I tried to get a ride in a sixty just because I happened to be there when the sixties were were you know flying the circuit at one of the outlying fields, but the weather was turning bad and. There's a ton of people in line, so I just gave up on it. But uh, I'm sure I'll fly 60 uh, in the next year or so. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, the odds are for you on that one, I would think. Yep. Um. So, what, all right. So, which one did you like better? Uh, I, they they were both interesting. I mean, like I said, you, you can pull collective on the frog, and you don't touch the pedals. I mean, for all I know, they could have been painted on. I I didn't feel like I touched them at all, but. Uh, the dolphin is, you know, it's very fast and it's it's real maneuverable and kind of nimble, so that was fun too. Um, Rotorhead, dolphin Richard Rotorhead. Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Usually, your 
Your little zippy airplanes like that. Could be, yeah. All right, so you're looking it up, aren't you? <laughs> you're no, oh, okay. I'm not that interested. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then just me, just me then, because I was gonna get ready to look it up. Um, all right, well then, what's uh, what's next? All right, so you got you open a solo on a couple flights, right? And then you start doing some more regular helicopter type stuff. And yep, and tactics after that, and then the the Charlie model. That's all just instruments at that point, right? Yeah, you you do a couple, you do a couple like contact flights just to get used to flying the Charlie because the Charlie has AFCS as well, so it's it takes a while to get kind of used to that. And then you do a night flight, and then you go into instruments. And but it's the same. Okay, did you already have some sort of? You've already had some instrument though, kind of training. You know how to fly a compass, right? Right. I mean, we, we do, you know, RI flights in primary, but it's this is actually where we, we, we make our money. I mean, we actually earn our NATOPS IFR instrument rating in advanced. Okay. So we actually go through a whole NATOPS check ride, and it's, it's a long day. <laughs> and then after we do that, we get to... Well, actually, uh, I'm not sure if it's before or after, but at some point we actually go on a, uh, a cross-country by ourselves. So two students will take a helicopter out and go, you know, do uh, an in- instrument navigation cross-country somewhere. So that's that's kind of like the pinnacle of flight school right there. And where are the standard destinations for that? Uh, you know, uh, probably the uh, the more fun cities in Florida, so... You know, Panama City or Daytona Beach or, you know, some people might try and go up north back home if they live relatively close by or all over. You know, wherever uh, people are drinking and getting rowdy, that those are the weekend destinations. Okay, that hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. What else do we want to talk about then? Well, then, do you care to make a... Do you care to make a after your fleet? Fl- Let me back up a different question. During this fleet flying business, did you get any pitches? I mean, you said the Romeo was there, Frog was there, Dolphin was there. Were there any, what other aircraft were there? Did they send uh, 53s? Yes, the the Navy sent some 53s. Okay. Uh, both models of 60 Romeo and Sierra. Yep, we had Romeo, Sierra. We actually had the Bravo as well. I'm not sure if we had any uh, Foxtrot hotels, but uh, I think there was because I know there was an there is an HS brief. Okay, so, so, I so, there. so different communities gave you the pitch then. Come work for us because we right. do this. Okay. Exactly. And so the community got HS, which is going to be what, what, what HCS now or HSC? What's yeah, that? HSC. HSC, right? You got HSL, yeah. which is changing to uh, HSM. Right. And crazy. And then uh, what's v- uh, Composite Squadron or uh, Helicopter Combat Support Squadron for the 53? Or were they mine dragon? They're, uh, they're HM. Okay. Mine. And, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're sticking around for a while. I don't, I don't think they're going anywhere. Okay, but they're, they're pretty much going to be out of Norfolk. Yeah, we know, what that, we know what that stands for. What? Um, yeah. 
who else? Any other communities give you the pitch? Uh, well, I mean, each each service had their own brief. So, uh, you know, the, us Navy guys, we, we pretty much heard only the, the Navy side of it. But okay. so, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So, so HM, HSL, and HSC or HCS. HSC, HCS. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Out of the three, which one, which one won you over? Uh, I think uh, going into it, I, I had wanted HSC, and I think everything I, I heard from there kind of corroborated that, sort of uh, made my choice a little more firm now. Okay, so we'll go. What have you? All right, how do I phrase this question delicately? Where long? Where have you been influenced? Is it by anybody we might both know about? Uh, which community to kind of? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's, there's always going to be talk through the grapevine of, oh, this this sucks or, you know, oh, that's that's great for this reason. So, I mean, you know, from what I had heard before and then going into those briefs, I kind of I, I kind of saw that there was some truth in what I had heard before. OK. So now were the briefers East Coast squadrons or West Coast squadrons? Uh, th- there was actually both, I believe. And uh, I know Japan was there as well for HSL. I'm sorry. That the four deployed gig, not good. I don't know, but single guy, you might have a good time. But very few people I knew that went on the four deployed gig. It's too far from home. It's 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 not my first choice by any means. I I want San Diego, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. So being uh being on the cargo side, because that's you know. HSM's where the tactical stuff is. You'll be flying the empty birds with space for slinging loads. But I, I would think the only, okay, my book, my opinion, it's all opinion. The only interesting mission that the that the, your community of choice has is the, you know, seal delivery stuff. After right. That, after that, you know, you can be on a carrier. because uh, you you're it, sailing it on a carrier, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, it it depends. I mean, it because I mean, there's there's two divisions within HSC. I mean, there's the regular HSC, and then there's like the expeditionary, and then each of those can be doing different things. I mean, I, I, I like the the whole vert rep, you know, SAR CSAR type of mission. I, I don't necessarily. Oh, CSAR, yes, that I mean, would be fun. I, I take that back. All right, CSAR is a combat search and rescue. All right, good. But everyone I mean, knows. H- HSM with uh, ASW, I, I don't necessarily know that I'd be too interested in doing that sort of mission. But Let's see, here. here's here's where the difference came for me. All right, again, I can only apply it to my, and you, my contemporaries, and you have to take it with, you know, through the looking glass of time. But uh, deploying on a carrier as a helicopter guy, you're second class citizen, right? Deploying on yeah. a small ship, a destroyer, or, or where you're the only aircraft, or maybe there's two of you as a detachment. Um, you're not second-class citizen. You're the air department in its entirety. And I would submit to you the quality of life might be a little bit better on a small ship than on a carrier. Oh, yeah. I mean, a smaller wardroom is going to be probably much nicer. Okay, but yeah, no, a small wardroom comes with more rules, though. Right. They're not, they're not used to having aviators on their boat sometimes. The ship I deployed on, 
we were the we were the second uh, helicopter they had detachment they had had in four years, so <laughs> they were they were kind of new, but not as much as some of these other destroyers that would get one every time they went out. You know, so right it depends. And the ASW mission ain't that bad. I thought it was it was the only choice we had really, but to get into the what was what was the HSC role back then was HC. Or HS. HS is also anti-submarine. But the HS, right. that, those are the people that did the vert rep, and those are the people that did uh, the combat search and rescue, and those are the people that did probably the expeditionary uh, piece of what HSC is, that half of it. Um, they flew 46s, and they were they were mechanics first, really. And those guys, <laughs> those guys got worked. You know, from an air crewman perspective, they got worked. Uh, I mean, I couldn't imagine... Matt- Bending a ranch on an airplane for, I don't know, three and a half, four hours, and then going on 2.5 to sling cases of soda to some boat. I mean, that, that would just that would just wipe me out. So, I don't know. I think it'd, it'd be a pretty good gig, though, to get, like, an HSC, you know, slot that uh, deploys on, like, a USNS ship. So that's that's yes. a pretty nice deal. Yes, yes. It, there, that is a good gig. I mean, you know, flying off of a USNS, I mean, you got your own stateroom. They clean it every day. You're, right. you're sailing with a bunch of Navy nurses and stuff. Civilians are on the boat. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That would be a good gig. Um, the the H-2 RAG on both coasts provided USNS support. Um, I forget the names of the ships they were on. Um, so HSL-30 out of... Was that on Jacksonville or Cecil? I don't remember. Mayport, maybe I. Don't. Um, they provided their they had one detachment as the rag, and that was uh, an H two that was deconfigured. No ASW, no you know the radars pulled out of it. The all the anti submarine stuff pulled out of it. It was basically a little cargo aircraft that went on this USNS boat, <laughs> and you know. Uh, and HL thirty one the West Coast did the same thing, and th- those guys would come come back say, "Oh yeah, it was great." You know, they did these, they'd fly little civilians around, drop stuff on off on islands, and they had a, basically a good time doing scientific research support. Right. But it was it was uh, it was the first time though that um, the all female pilots detachment a detachment of all female pilots. Was on wow. one of those USNS uh, H2 detachments, and um, it was also one of those <laughs> H2 detachments where we learned the the absolute maximum amount of time an H2 would fly on one full tank of gas because uh, <laughs> they ran one out, they ran it out, ran out of gas, and had to ditch. Wow! So all oh, goodness gracious, two sixty-gallon tanks and the two tanks internal—I can't remember what they held—you <laughs> know, all gone. In the drink. Yikes. So, well, you know, live and learn. Hey, we know it's 3.5. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd rather trust Nate Tops on that one. If it's 3.5, well, they're, I mean, they're beating feet for home. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Again, time has faded, and I might be misremembering half the facts anyway, but, you know, the story was they're making their way home, and somehow they, I guess, they'd lost track of time, or I don't know. Either way. So yeah, those are those are good gigs from even back in the day. 
even the uh, the expeditionary squadrons, like I've heard, you know, guys, uh, especially like IPs and stuff, who talk about, you know, where they were. And uh, I remember one IP was saying how he was, he had like his own like apartment in Bahrain. It was like, you know, twenty five hundred square feet with like satellite TV. It was like, doesn't sound like a bad gig to me. No. <laughs> but how often was he home? Uh, he said he, he got to use the place. You know, I mean, you work long days, but you come home at the end of the day, you oh, crack a beer and watch cool. TV. That that is dream. That is dream gig. <laughs> ah, but you know, too much is changing. They're ultimately gonna. I guess the aside from uh, community tactics, as long as everyone can get in anybody else's helicopter and fly. That would be the that's the ultimate goal of why they're consolidating the airframes, right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's probably a money issue. That's pretty much what anything boils down to. I don't know. Like I said the last time we talked, my my military flying experiences conspired to keep me from flying in an in an H sixty. So I just have to live through others. <laughs> Huh, so, so what do you want to do now? Do you want to? You got any other stories you want to share? Do you want to save some for next time? You want to call me back, or we'll talk again after the after you move into the Charlies? Or oh, actually, I'd like to hear what you have to say after you start flying with a dude in the back. Oh yeah, that, that would definitely uh, probably be a good story. After after I, get some of those done. Be interesting to see if they mess with student pilots like we used to mess with pilots back in the day. <laughs> uh, they're probably laughing at our uh, lack of stick skills. No, you know, <laughs> there was never there was never that kind of of joking around about about flying capabilities. It was all more like messing with them about seeing leaks or things falling off the airplane, or <laughs> you know, stuff like that, or. Um, oh gee look what I found you know rattling around back here or up by this gearbox I mean just stuff like that you, we, we're professional enough not to taunt them about their inability to fly I mean <laughs> I, I can judge my own ability to fly I mean I, I knew that I, I had gotten pretty good at uh, hovering and controlling the, the aircraft to hover when the linemen stopped looking so scared <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, we wouldn't. Um, the, as air crewmen, we would we would talk to each other about some of the things that pods would do, but we would never really. I know we you get familiar, right? You as a crew, you get familiar with idiosyncrasies and what you can and cannot joke around with, you know. But you still have to maintain some level of professionalism, and it just didn't oh, of do, course it just didn't do it. Be poking them about you know how rough that landing was that time or, or something like that, you know. <laughs> Or gee, this other guy does it better. You know that that uh, yeah, that was that was for at our level. We didn't we didn't cross the line with that, but we had our share. So I'll just it'll be interesting to see if they um, if they monkey around with you a little bit. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they talk, and you know, I, I gotta say they're they're pretty brave to be in the back seat of a helicopter with uh, you know some guy at the controls who's got 25 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed with that. I'm sure, they, I'm sure they try to put that out of their head. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that lieutenant up there is uh, quick in case I screw up. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, in the rag, it's no different. 
you know, uh, in the Lamps Mark One community, you know, the old eight, the old school HSL, there's four people right. in there playing an instructor pilot, an instructor crewman, and a brand new pilot and a brand new crewman. So only only two seasoned ones knew what was worth being scared about. The other two of us were just <laughs> like, oh, this is great. Uh, you know, 6.30 brief and launch at 8.30 and you're done by lunch. All right. That's a good day in my book. Oh, yeah. That's all. All right, so when when do you think uh, when do you think you're gonna move into that phase? Is that gonna be after the first? You're taking time off at Christmas, right? Right. I'm. I'll be in California from the 24th or so until the the fourth. So, yeah, I'll probably be. Hopefully, I'll be in instruments before we knock it off for Christmas. But I guess that depends. I mean, like I said, I've been getting canceled for the oddest reasons. But, oh, uh, never, hope- we never got around for you tell me what you got canceled for. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, mostly it's been weather. I mean, the, there's plenty of uh, low visibility days and high winds. But uh, actually, we got canceled on our uh, FAM Zero, which is just the pre-flight. It wasn't even a flight. It was our, our first time meeting our on-wing because he showed up like two hours late because uh, he anticipated uh, a class taking, you know, a couple hours and, it took two hours longer than he expected, so we got canceled for that. Then he canceled us uh, for, you know, he had, like, a friend coming into town, and weather was getting us delayed a couple hours, so he canceled us again. And then, um, let's see, my fan partner, uh, he got bit by fire ants, and... Uh, <laughs> He started getting an allergic reaction. I was actually studying with him that same day, and he said he was getting an allergic reaction, started feeling in his throat and stuff. So he took a Benadryl and decided the next morning to go to uh, to medical just to say, hey, I took a Benadryl. I, I want to make sure it's okay that I go flying, just letting you know. And uh, apparently his foot was still swollen. They decided to look at his foot. It was still swollen, so they, they downed him that day. So that was, that was the first interesting one. Um, the next one was uh, I was studying with him again. It was like a Sunday. And I left his house about 15 minutes later. I get a phone call from his wife. Hey, this is, uh, you know, uh, his name, uh, yeah. wife. And uh, I'm just going to let you know to call the instructor and, and let him know that he's going to be med down tomorrow. We're going to the emergency room. Well, it turns out that he cracked his head open on the, the coffee table. <laughs> so that was another day med down. And, uh, and then the most recent cancellation was actually uh, he was flying. This is uh, Thursday, I guess, and uh, I'm waiting in the crew change, waiting for them to land, and I, I'm going to go and switch out with them. Well, I haven't heard them call inbound, and it's about 15 minutes to go until they're two hours from their outbound call. And then slowly but surely, five minutes before it's their time, I'm, I'm, I haven't even heard them call inbound yet, which is still a good 10 minutes out. So I, I suddenly think to myself, oh, you know, I probably got my phone on silent from the brief. So I crack open uh, my phone. Sure enough, it was still on silent. Got a missed call from my partner and a missed message. <laughs> the message consisted of, hey, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we, sh- we shut it down out here. Uh, we, we had some compressor stalls, so we're, we're getting a truck to uh, drive it back. So that was the latest cancellation. Compressor stalls. Nice. Yeah. So I've been getting canceled for very odd reasons, but uh, hopefully... Nothing serious this weekend. I can get it done. All right. Well, when you when you go back, when you go squadron, I don't know how how far back the history is, and I don't know which uh, 
uh, rotary, rotary wing training squadron this occurred in, but one of the pilots I flew with when he was going through prime or advanced in you know, in, in in the fifty sevens, they had they had a complete rotor head failure upon touchdown. I mean, they flew they flew their whole mission, whatever, you know, taxiing. You do a ground taxi to where you park the aircraft, set the aircraft down. At that point, the rotor head went, say, you know, rotor blades came flying off the airplane. And wow. he, had, he had pictures of, he had a copy of the accident investigation in his house in this binder that was in, like, in a place of display. So you could <laughs> see how lucky he was to not die, right? That's, so I, that's pretty lucky. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where. Um... Okay, so this was this had to have been eighty, early eighties when he was going through because this was eighty four, eighty five when I got to see this book. So I don't know if it's still out there, or if it's still got some legend to it. But if you, in your copious amounts of spare time that I know you have, just sitting around in the squadron space, <laughs> you know, poke around and see because it might. It, it was interesting reading. Very interesting reading. All right, I'm sure you want to hit it, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I got uh, about seven hours to sleep, so. <laughs> you know, I don't want to don't want to prang in tomorrow. Don't want to nod off during your brief either. Oh, no. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate, again, the, the willingness to come and share some time and, and uh, tell us what's going on and how those things are working. And, uh, Absolutely. And, you know, when you get to the point... We start flying with, with those people in the back. You know, let's let's uh, let's hook up again and you give us more stories about some of the things you've done and what they got you doing. Yeah, sounds great. Is that a deal? Yeah, I'll probably yeah, I'll probably give you a ring once I hop into the Charlie and I can give you the perspective on tactics flights and the guys in the back and give you a perspective on uh, the Charlie model and starting to get into instruments. That's awesome. That'll work for me. Sounds good. All right then, Josh. You uh, you take it easy, all right? And, uh, all right. And you fly safe. Will do. All right. Talk to you later. Good night. All right. Bye. Once again, I'd like to thank Josh for taking the time to come and visit us and to tell us what's going on with him and his experiences in the world of naval aviation. I also want to take a minute to ask you if you'd like to leave feedback. Please do. There's a couple places you can do that. You can go to the iTunes Music Store, find the Naval Air Podcast in there, and leave feedback. You can also go to navalair.net, the website that hosts these podcasts. Each episode has a place for feedback as well. And, of course, you can always email me, mike at navalair.net, and let me know what you think. So we got one more, I think, one more episode with Josh coming up. And then we'll be moving on to somebody else. So I'm going to sign off now. Take care and God bless.